0: All right, hey everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek Church. We are so glad that you're here with us. Whatever campus or location you may be at today, can we go ahead and welcome each other together for a moment? We are so glad that you're here with us. And if you've been with us maybe for a few weeks or a few months and you've recently just decided that Valley Creek Church, that this is your church, you're going on that journey with us, I am so glad that you're here, and I'm believing that as you start this Next Steps journey with us, that God has some amazing things for you to discover about who you are, who He is, and what you are created to do. And so if that's you today, I want to say to you, welcome home. We are really glad that you're here. Hey, last week we finished up the first pass in our series called Rooted in Jesus. And we have said this is our theme for the year, back to the basics, a life of, of building a relationship with Jesus. And we finished up the series uh, by allowing everyone, if they wanted to, to, to make an act of faith, a prophetic declaration, if you will. And we had boxes of soil up at the front and you could come and pick up a seed and plant it in the soil as a, as just a declaration to say this year I'm really going to get rooted in Jesus And flourish in life. And we know that on any given weekend, there are thousands of people who are a part of Valley Creek Church that aren't here for whatever reason. And so I believe that act of faith, that prophetic declaration was so important that we wanted to give you the opportunity. If you weren't here last week, we've got those boxes out in the atrium. And so after service, I would encourage you to take a moment, walk over and have a moment with Jesus and just make that declaration as a, as a sign to say this physical declaration represents the spiritual truth that this is going to be my year of really building a relationship with Jesus, growing deep roots so I can flourish in life. You can't rush what God is doing in you, but you're going to need what God is doing for the journey ahead. And that's what getting rooted is all about. Okay. so after service, if you want to do that, that's in the atrium. All right. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to have what we call a kitchen table conversation. We haven't had one here at Valley Creek in a while, and and basically a kitchen table conversation is just a family conversation together. In my house, if we have something that we need to talk about, we kind of all gather at the kitchen table and we sit and we talk, and and that's what we do, and we, we have them, I don't know, a couple times a year. We haven't had one in a while, and so I want to have one today, a kitchen table conversation around the topic of shared leadership. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, shared leadership, what is that, and why is it relevant to my life? Well, it's a whole lot more relevant to your life than you realize because we believe that every single person was created to be a kingdom leader. And shared leadership is how God wants his church to be run. It's how we do everything here at Valley Creek Church. So let me just define it for you. Shared leadership is when individual leaders submit their unique giftings to a common vision and to one another for an exponential impact. (laughs) It's a really long definition. Let me say it again. Shared leadership is when individual leaders submit their unique giftings to a common vision and to one another for an exponential impact. We're used to seeing people submit their giftings to a common vision. That's what we're used to seeing when teams function, but rarely do you actually see people submit their giftings to a common vision and to one another where they're willing to say, hey, I'm just as much willing to lead as I am to willing to follow. Whatever is best in this situation, that's what I want to be a part of for an exponential impact. And the reason you rarely see it is because it requires humility, unity, and ownership. But it's how God designed his church to run. It's what we do here at Valley Creek Church. And so it's really important for you to understand this so you can be aware of what we do and how we do it. And really, shared leadership, it starts with me. And so I want to tell you what my job is here at Valley Creek, because whether you realize it or not, you have a preference and an opinion about what I should be doing. It's probably subconscious, but you have a perspective about what my job is. It might be from the church you grew up in. It might be from what you've watched on TV. It might be from the last church that you were at. It doesn't really matter. You have an opinion of what I should be doing, and I have an opinion of what my job should look like. There's a whole lot of things that I want to do, a whole lot of things I feel like I should do. But what does the Bible actually say about what my job is, and then how is that relevant to you? So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Exodus 18. Exodus 18, second book in the Bible. If you got a Bible, I actually want you to turn it there because I really want you to see this. Moses is leading the Israelites, the people of God, from Egypt to the promised land. They're on their journey. And Moses, if you will, he's kind of like the lead shepherd. He's the lead pastor of the people. Pick it up with me starting in verse 5. It says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to meet him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent word to him, say, I, your father in law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. See, Moses had left his family behind through the Exodus. His family wasn't a part of the entire Exodus experience, so his father in law is bringing his family to him in the desert. Verse 13 The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father in law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because people come to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone." Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. Pause. How good are you at receiving advice? How good are you at receiving counsel? You see, your ability to succeed in life is directly correlated to your willingness to receive advice from other people. Your ability to succeed, it's directly correlated to your willingness to receive advice or counsel from the people around you. And you have to think in this moment how humbling this would have been for Moses. Like, like this is Moses. Do you know what Moses just did? And here comes Jethro, his father-in-law, saying, Hey, Moses, I've got some advice for you. Oh, oh, oh do you? Like, do you know who you're talking to here, Jethro? Like, it's me, Moses. Like I just saw God face to face in a burning bush. And I just single-handedly defeated Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And I parted the Red Sea and set two million people free. I plundered Egypt and now am the richest man on the face of the earth. And you got some advice for me? Okay, Jethro, what you got? He says you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges or leaders for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases... They can decide themselves that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. Shared leadership. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Okay. Moses is the lead pastor, the lead shepherd, and there's five things we learn about what his job is. Five things that really define my job and how it's relevant to you. These are really quick. The first thing, my job is to love my family. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jethro, Moses' father in law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was encamped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent word to him, saying, I, your father in law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. In other words, Moses had left his family behind in order to do ministry. And Jethro says, No. He says, It doesn't matter how well you lead these people. If you don't love your family, you are failing. It doesn't matter how well I lead you if I don't love my family. The first thing on my job description is to love my family well. The second thing is to hear from God. My job is to hear from God. Look at verse 23. If you do this and God so commands. In other words, he says you actually have to listen to God's voice for you. Because everybody has an opinion, everybody has a preference, everybody has a perspective on what we should be doing, where we should be going, what Valley Creek should look like, and all those opinions and perspectives are great, but at the end of the day, what matters is what God has said. Spiritual leadership at the end of the day is the willingness to hear God's voice and then having the courage and the conviction to move forward no matter what the cost is. That's what spiritual leadership is. My job is just to hear from God on who we're supposed to be, where we're supposed to go, what it's supposed to look like, what the journey unfolds, our vision, our values, our culture, like rooted in Jesus. That is not man's idea. That's hearing God, him saying, this is what I want for this family and this time in this place. My job is to hear from God and then follow with everything that we've got. The third thing is my job is to pray for you. You're like, all right, now we're talking. Now we can see how this is relevant to us. Look at verse 19. He says, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. In other words, he says, Moses, your job is not to represent God to the people. Your job is to represent the people to God. Your job is not to get up in front of the people and be God to them. Your job is to figure out what's going on in their lives and then take their issues and their problems to God that he may move on their behalf. And so what I'm trying to tell you is my job is to pray for you. I pray for your family and your marriage and your children. I pray for your future and your destiny and your gifts and your callings. I pray for your job. I pray for your struggles, your addictions, your brokenness. I pray for the things that are holding you back, for the destiny that God's declaring over your life. And most importantly, I pray that you would receive the grace of Jesus and fall deeply in love with him. You see, being a part of a church is protection And power in your life for no other reason than because people are praying for you, whether you realize it, are here or not. My job is to pray for you. The fourth thing, my job is to teach the word and model a kingdom life. Look at verse 20. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way they are to live and the duties they are to perform. In other words, he says, Moses, your life is a life of show and tell. So you're supposed to model a kingdom life and then tell people what that kingdom life looks like and how to achieve it. Because at the end of the day, you can teach what you know. You will always reproduce who you are. My job is to teach you the ways of God and the work of God, the why of God and the how of God. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm trying to change the way you think. Like, I am not trying to make you religious. That, for no other reason, should make you excited to be a part of Valley Creek Church. Like... Like we are the most unreligious group of people I know. I'm not trying to make you religious. Like some of you, you're like, wait, is this okay? Yes! I'm trying to help you think like the kingdom of God. Romans 12, two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think, it'll change the way you live. I'm trying to change what you think about who you are, who God is, and what you were created to do. Romans or Matthew 4, 17, Jesus' main message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think for heaven has come. Stop thinking earth to heaven and start thinking heaven to earth. I'm trying to change the way you think that you might be free and learn God's ways. And then the last thing of my job is to develop kingdom leaders. Verse 21, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges or leaders for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves, it will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. In other words, he says, Moses, you can't do everything yourself says, you've got to develop some leaders. So my job is to develop leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, to develop campus pastors and ministry leaders and staff members and group leaders and team leaders and leaders of families and leaders in the marketplace and leaders in education and leader in government and leader in arts, leaders in sports, leaders in hobbies. My job is to develop you into a kingdom leader. And our heart is to raise up people internally. In fact, if you say, what kind of leaders is he talking about? Just look at it again. But select, verse 21, select capable men from all the people. In other words, he says, raise up people internally. When Moses needed these leaders, he could have very easily put out a posting somewhere on a job board and said, looking for leaders to help me lead people into the promised land. Because don't you know, there are a whole lot of qualified Egyptians and Midianites and Canaanites that would have said like, sure, I'll jump in. Is the pay good? Like, man, you got the treasure of Egypt. I'm in on that deal. No. He says, raise up people internally. We are not trying to go get hired hands. We're trying to develop faithful sons of the house. And you have to be a son of the house before you can be a father in the family. Because Jesus tells us hired hands run away when the wolf comes. Faithful sons and daughters stand their ground and protect the sheep with their very life. You see, what what you don't know... What you don't know is that we have between 60 and 70 people on staff here at Valley Creek Church. All all, all but about a small handful of them, maybe five of them, have been raised up internally. And you might at first say, like, okay, is that good? Is that bad? Like, you don't have a perspective on that. Just understand, that's not how the American church functions. The American church functions by putting things on job boards and hiring a lot of hired hands, and they stay for a while. When things get tough, they leave. They don't have the culture. They haven't been a son or a daughter in the house, so they don't know how to be a mother or a father to the family. And so we're trying to raise up people. And you say, well, what kind of people? He says, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. We're looking for people that have been faithful, that they've been servants, that they have been tested, and we've seen their character. We're trying to get people that have our culture, our vision, our values, that are unified with who we are and where we're going, that are on the journey, want to develop other leaders. And here's what we say, if you won't do it for the one, you can't do it for the many. If you don't have a servant heart to just do it for the one person in front of you just because God's asking you to, then we will not empower you to do it for the many because it's revealing a heart problem. See, here's the deal. Can I just tell you something? Talent is overrated. Just think about this for a second. Talent is so overrated. Like no one cares how talented you are. Do you know that? Think about this. No one cares how talented you are. They care how much character you have. Yes, the world values talent, but in the kingdom of God, God is looking for character. Talent is overrated for no other reason than because God is looking for people with character to give his talent to. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He's looking everywhere for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. People with character that he may fully strengthen them, that he may give his talent to and release it through their lives because they have the character and the root structure to support it. So no one cares how talented you are. They care how much character you have. Catch my passion on that. Should I say it one more time? No one cares how talented you are. And if you're walking around trying to get everybody to notice how talented you are, just understand you're living in the world system. So you'll get worldly results. If that's what you want, that's fine. If you want to live in the kingdom system, it's how much character you have. And then guess what? God takes regular, ordinary people with lots of character and gives them his talent. And so you look at this story and you look at Moses. He wasn't doing his job. And so all the people were stuck. And the moment Moses does his job, shifts some things, gets alignment, is humble enough to receive some advice and some counsel, they take off and they start moving towards the promised land. And I know some of you are sitting here, you're like, bro, that's really cool. But that's the Old Testament. That's not your job. You're a pastor. You're supposed to wear a suit. You're supposed to stand at the door and greet everybody. You're supposed to go to the hospital and be angry and yell at us from the front. Okay. Well, let's look at it from the New Testament then. (laughs) Acts chapter 6, the first century church. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Greek Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked. There was a tension among them. So the 12 or the 12 disciples, the lead pastors, gathered everyone else together and said it wouldn't be right for us to not teach the word of God in order to do this task. So brothers, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. There it is again, among you. They very easily could have gone and tried to hire some Romans, gone and hired try to hire some Greeks. No, no. Raise up men from among you who are known, who have the character, the faithfulness, the integrity, who have been proven, who carry the culture, who are unified, full of the Holy Spirit. We'll give this responsibility to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the teaching of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose seven guys. They presented the men to the apostles who prayed for them, laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. There it is again. My job is to pray for you, teach the word, and develop kingdom leaders. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's God's way. And when we do things God's way, God's ways always work and they're always better. And that's my job in here. And guess what? If you're looking to figure out how do you raise a family, how do you have a marriage, how do you build a business, how do you put together a team, how do you do the things that God has called you to do, it's all in here. You just have to look for it. And when they did it God's way, they started moving towards the promised land and the gospel exploded. Because what I want you to understand is that shared leadership is sustainable. It's sustainable. Look at verses 21 and 22 again. Select capable. Wait, uh, which verse do I want to do? 22 have them serve as judges or leaders for the people at the, at all times have them bring every difficult case to you the simple cases they can decide themselves it will make your load lighter they will share it with you if you do this and god commands you'll be able to stand the strain and everyone will go home satisfied listen the reason we hear about all these stories of churches crumbling is cuz we want everyone to be moses we want the leader to do everything it's not possible and what I want you to understand is that we say around here all the time, we want to do this a long time together. Yeah. It's one of our sayings. We want to do this a long time together. We don't want to be a firecracker that gets lit, goes up in the skies, boom, boom, boom and everybody goes, ooh, ah, and it's gone. We want to be a long burning flame that withstands the test of time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're playing the long game. I make lots of decisions around here that are short-term losses, but are long-term wins because I'm not in this for a few weeks or a few years. I'm in this for the long game. That's right. And this is how we do it sustainably. Here's what I want you to understand for me. I am not trying to build a great church. I am trying to develop great kingdom-minded leaders. I am not trying to build a great church. I'm trying to build great kingdom-minded leaders because if you build kingdom-minded leaders, you will get a great church and you will change the world. So that's what we're doing. And that's a sustainable different model. And you're like, but I want a great church. I know, I do too. And it doesn't come by pursuing a church because Jesus says he will build the church. So let's let Jesus do what he says he's really good at doing. And we'll do the things he's asked us to do and together we'll get the best result. So it's sustainable. Second thing, shared leadership is refreshing. Look at verse 23. If you do this and God commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. You say, great, shared leadership is good for you, John. No, 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 shared leadership is for you says, you will go home satisfied. Do you know what the word satisfied in the original language is? It's the word shalom. It's the word for peace. It's the word for comprehensive flourishing. In other words, God says, hey, when the church does things in a shared leadership model, all the people will go home with shalom, with peace. They will be filled. They will be satisfied. They will be refreshed. Why? Because you'll have lots of leaders with the right gifts in the right place to minister to the people according to where they are and what they need. What you see in Exodus 18 and Acts 6, everyone's frustrated and grumpy and tense. Why? Because everything had to come to one leader. When you multiply it out, all of a sudden, shalom is released in everyone's life. Listen, I'm just telling you, if you need mercy in your life, you don't want to come hang out with someone that has the gift of administration. You will not leave with shalom. (laughs) You will leave with something, but it will not be shalom. Shalom. And so that's the whole point. We have to multiply so we can do that. Third thing, shared leadership has an exponential impact. Acts 6, 7, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Up until that point in the book of Acts, all it says is they added. They added people, added people, added people. Moment they went to shared leadership, bam, the whole thing took off and they multiplied. Why? Because more leaders reach more people. Leaders set people free and help them discover their destiny. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight, the Bible says. And here's the deal. It's easier to do it by yourself. It's easier to do it by yourself. And every parent that's trying to teach their kids how to do the dishes or do the laundry knows. It's easier to do it by yourself. It's more impactful to develop others. We don't grow by adding individuals. We grow by multiplying kingdom leaders, okay? And then the last thing is is this, is that shared leadership allows us or empowers us to live out our calling of worshiping Jesus, reaching the lost, and making disciples. Like at the end of the day, the reason we're here is to worship Jesus, reach the lost, and make disciples. And when you have a shared leadership model, you have enough leaders to take care of our inward needs so we can be outward-focused, So we can worship Jesus and go get those who are far from God, bring them in and make them disciples, raise them up as kingdom leaders, and then we keep multiplying. Do you see how that cycle works? And you might be sitting here saying, okay, so what? So what does this mean? Well, here's what it means. Number one, we're gonna just keep developing leaders at all levels. We already do this. Like, you've heard me say this now probably a million times, Valley Creek is a training center, not a teaching center. That's why we're not trying to make you religious. If we were a teaching center, I would try to make you religious, and I would be really focused on behavior modification and are you doing the right things at all times, and I would use a lot of shame and guilt to align you. We really don't do that. We're a training center. We're trying to change the way you think and empower and equip you to go out and live the kingdom purpose God has for you. Like, Listen, this should be a place where you try and fail. This should always be a place where you get to use your gifts and crash and burn. Because your gifts aren't meant to primarily be used here. They're meant to primarily be used in the world to reach the lost and make disciples. So if you can't learn how to use them here, where are you going to learn how to use them? Listen, every serve team we have here is not to accomplish a task. That's what we think. We think, oh, we need these teams. You need an usher team. You need a greeter team. You need a cafe team. You need kids teams. the need a parking team. you worship. The whole point of all our teams is not to accomplish tasks. We use the tasks to develop the people. It's a totally different way of thinking about it. We're not using people to accomplish tasks, which is religion. That's church, like according to religious standards. We're using tasks to develop people. And so what ends up happening a lot of times is you get this tension of excellence and development. And they fight each other because sometimes you can do things more excellent if you didn't have development. But we will always lead towards development because that's what God's called us to do, which means it's messy. This is messy, man. Why? Because when you're developing people, they make mistakes. They struggle. They fail. They fall. They have character lapses. They don't understand. They show up late. They leave early. They have to be coached. They have to be challenged. It takes so much energy and effort. It is so messy, but it is so worth it. Because at the end of the day, we believe in the redemptive potential of humanity. We believe the best in you, and we will hold you to your best. So we say, we believe the best, but we will hold you to your best because I believe every person sitting in this room was created to be a kingdom leader. Amen. Good. So we're developing leaders at all levels. Second thing is this, we're going to continue to develop teaching teams. We're going to have teaching teams in the kids ministry and student ministry and on this platform. <laughs> Ephesians 4, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See if you can catch this. It's Jesus who gave the church a shared leadership model. It's Jesus who decided that the church needed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five-fold ministry, different gifts, different callings, different voices in order to fully prepare or equip you to be who God has created you to be. And the truth is, is I'm I'm the voice around here about 90, 95% of the time. The problem that I've realized with that is, is I only have a certain set of perspectives, gifts, and callings. And so if all you ever hear is my voice, that's the only place you're going to get equipped. You actually need other people's voices coming in with a different perspective, a different gift mix, the different ability to say some things if you're going to be fully equipped to be who God wants you to be. And when that happens, you have to stop and say, it doesn't matter who's speaking. What matters is that it's the word of God being taught over my life. And the less you like it, the more you probably need it. Because here's what I mean. You've gotten really used to my voice and my gift and the way I come at things. So when you get someone else's voice, someone else's gift, the way they come at things, it's coming in and it's hitting a different part of your heart. And if you don't like it, it's probably because that's a part of your heart that needs to be mended or repaired or fixed or healed or made whole. But it's uncomfortable, but it's what you need. And then the third thing we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and empower Flower Mound campus pastors. Ever since we started launching campuses, I've functioned as both the Flower Mound campus pastor and the lead pastor, and that's not really sustainable, and it's not really workable. And the truth is, is you guys have suffered the most by not having focused Flower Mound campus pastors, and I'm going to get there in a second. And so whether you've been taking notes or not, I want to wrap this up with this. If you would write down these four things with me, uh, that would mean a lot to me, and I think it's really important for you, because shared leadership is not just about the the leaders that have the positions, it's about all of us. And so here's what, I, here's what all this means for you. First thing is this, pray for your leaders. First Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He says, pray for your leaders. He says, and when you pray for your leaders, two things happen. You leave with shalom, peace and holiness, and we reach the lost. All men get saved. Why? Because healthy leaders create great environments where heaven can come to earth. So pray for your leaders. Pray for their marriages and their families and their hearts and their minds. Pray for their gifts and their abilities. Pray that God will give them wisdom, that they would have understanding. Like, pray for the team leaders that you're a part of, the group leaders you're a part of. Pray for the leaders who lead your kids or lead your students. Pray for the leaders that are on these platforms that lead you in worship or in teaching. Pray for our elders and our pastors and our staff. Pray for your leaders that you may leave with shalom and we may reach the lost. Second thing is follow your leaders. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. I realize that's like a really awkward verse and we don't like to talk about it. And usually when I teach on that verse, I'm usually talking about it in context of your leaders out there. Like, hey, God tells you, you got to like submit to your boss and the the government and the police officer and your teacher and all that different stuff. But really in context, he's talking about spiritual leaders. He's saying, you got to submit to the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life. Listen, God gives you man that you can see to teach you how to submit to a God that you cannot see. That's spiritual authority. God gives you a man or a woman that you can see to teach you how to submit to a God that you can't see. And it's really easy to say you're submissive, but you only know you're submissive when you have to submit to someone or something you don't like. Until then, it's just theory. And so here's the question that I want to ask you. Would you want to lead you? Would you want to lead you? Do you engage and do you follow? Do you participate and do you sacrifice and do you serve? Do you move in such a way that you would want you on your team? It's a great question. Thank you. (laughs) The more I lead, the better follower I become. Because I understand how hard it is to lead. So anytime I'm following someone else, I want to be the best follower I can be. It says, they submit to you or submit to them. They will keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Understand every leader in your life will give an account to Jesus on how they led you. But understand this, you will also give an account to Jesus on how well you followed. Someday, the leaders in your life will have to stand before Jesus and he will say, How did you lead the people I entrusted you with? You will stand before Jesus and he will say, How well did you follow the leaders I placed in your life? How well do you follow? Third thing, encourage your leaders. 1 Thessalonians 3 7, Our dear brothers and sisters, in the midst of our distress and difficulties, your steadfast faith has greatly encouraged our hearts. In other words, this is Paul saying, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit because it got so hard, but the, the, the church of Thessal- the, Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, those guys. <laughs> Sometimes, man, it's like all like the context. You're trying to pull it all together fast. Those guys encouraged him and he kept going. Listen, spiritual leadership is hard. So encourage people. It's like a kid, a baby. When you see him take a first couple steps, what does everyone do? They cheer for him. They're like, yeah, you did it. When you see someone taking a next step, cheer them on. You see someone lead for the first time on a platform, find them after and say, great job. You see someone give an announcement and they're so nervous, their hand is shaking. Go up after them and say, that was great. Someone inspires you, tell them. Someone did something good that helped you, tell them. Someone blessed your child, tell them. Someone had a huddle, a group meeting and they were the leader and you showed up and you saw they cleaned their house and it was nice for you to come in their house. Just say, thank you for cleaning your house. Just encourage them. For those of you that lead, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, I'm just telling you, it can be really discouraging and you start wanting to tap out. The best leaders in the Bible, Moses, I wanted, I didn't have time for it, but in Moses in Numbers chapter 11, he says, God, just kill me now. I'm done with all these people. Because it's hard. So be an encourager. And the last thing is this, grow as a leader. 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. The greatest thing you can do for the leaders in your life is grow as a leader. You say, but I'm not a leader. Oh, Oh, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. (laughs) Genesis 1:28, the first thing God ever said to humanity, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, rule over it and subdue it. He gave you authority over the earth. If you believe in Jesus, the spirit of the living God is inside you. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You are an ambassador of heaven. You are here to represent Jesus to the world. You have spiritual gifts. You have been empowered with the same authority that Jesus himself had. Because in John 20, 21, he says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. If Jesus was a leader, then so are You might not be living like a leader. You might not think of yourself as a leader. That's why you come to great environments like this, so we can help you change the way you think. But the future leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens are sitting in this room. You say, but I'm not called to be on staff leader. Maybe you're not. Maybe someone else is. You're not qualified for every leadership role, but you are called to be a leader. You might be a future campus pastor. You might be a future staff member. You just might be a future family leader and get married and have kids. You might be a leader in the marketplace, in the, in the schools. You might be a leader in sports and in education and the government and politics. You might just be a leader of two people that are divided from one another and you help them reconcile, two friends. You might just be a leader of two people that don't know Jesus and you say, come to church with me and watch what happens. The future leaders of Jesus' church and the kingdom of God are sitting in this room. And the greatest thing you can do is grow as a leader. See, we're not trying to take people from lost to saved. We're trying to take people from lost to leader. If Jesus' whole goal was for you lost to saved, the moment you got saved, boop, you'd just be teleported to heaven. There'd be no purpose to leave you here. He's trying to take you from lost to kingdom leader because that was what you originally created to do. And oh, by the way... When you pray for your leaders, when you follow your leaders, and when you encourage your leaders, you're actually growing as a leader because that's what leaders do. Okay? This is a kingdom greenhouse. A greenhouse to be kingdom leaders, not just for in Valley Creek, for the world. And when we share leadership together, we move towards the promised land and the gospel multiplies. You with me on that? Okay, here's what I want to do to close this. I want to announce to you Uh, The Flower Mound Campus Pastor And it's a big deal And we've been working on this for a a long time And so in a second when I say his name uh, I want you to stand up And I want you to cheer for me And then we're going to pray for them together And so I'm super excited To announce to you that our Flower Mound Campus Pastors are Josh Wintermute and Jason Hillier So will you celebrate with me This is Jason, this is his wife Carrie, this is Josh, this is his wife Rachel. These guys have both been serving here, their families have been a part of Valley Creek Church for more than 10 years. These are faithful men, I've, been watched, I've watched them be tested, I've watched them be unified, I've watched them become our culture, and they have shepherded this flock and this campus and this group of people well. And what you don't know is that we made them campus pastors 10 months ago. You say, 10 months ago, why didn't you tell us? Well. Because in the days to come, I want to keep teaching you how to be a kingdom leader in whatever space of society that you're in. The reason we didn't do that is because we wanted to get it all figured out behind the scenes first. So we made them Flower Mound Campus Pastors and then we split up the teams because they're doing it together because this is our largest campus, our broadcast campus, so we feel like we need two of them. And so they each have different parts. So we got the staff aligned. We got them figured out. We got them in the rhythm. We had them on the platform. They were the ones doing all the campus pastors responsibilities for the last 10 months and you didn't even know. So now we just get to say like they're the campus pastors and you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. That's what I've been seeing them do for the last 10 months. You're like, yeah. So it, it set them up to succeed, and it didn't make it a big change for you. And some of you, you're sitting here, and you're like, wait a second. If they're the Flammer campus pastors, where are you going to go, John? <laughs> I just told you my job. I'm right here. This is the broadcast campus. My job is to not just lead a campus, it's to lead all the campuses. This is though our broadcast location. This is where the live communication happens. This is how we will keep leading in the days to come. Pretty much everything you've been experiencing for the last 10 months is exactly how it's gonna be. It just frees all of us up to keep moving forward where God wants us to go. And so I am so proud of you guys. Today really is a big deal. These guys have been so faithful to me. They've been so faithful to our church. Carrie and Rachel are amazing. They are faithful. They love their husbands. They love this church. They love Jesus. And they are amazing leaders in their own rights. And so we are so excited and so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of who you are, who you have become, and who you're continuing to become in the days ahead. And so I can't wait to follow you here at the Flower Mound campus. We can't wait to see what's going to happen in this city and where we as this campus and our church are going to continue to go. So will you raise your hands with me? Let's pray for them together right now. Lord Jesus, we celebrate next steps. Today is a day that these two men have been really, God, we've been preparing for it for 10 months, but it's really been for 10 years. I thank you that these are faithful men, these are unified men, these are men that have been tested, their character, their integrity has shown forth. I thank you that they have never once leaned away, but they've leaned in to challenges and encouragement and correction, that they have decided they wanna be the best versions of who you have called and created them to be. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we empower them with the authority to lead the Flower Mound Campus to help us reach this city. We ask for a fresh filling of the spirit of the living God, that you would stir up new gifts inside of them, that because they have character, you would give them your talent to do the things that need to be done so your sheep would come into green pastures. I pray that they would lead with authority and not back down, but press in, that they would fight off the wolves and the enemy, that they would make this flock secure and strong, that it would reproduce and multiply and that they would develop amazing leaders to lead with them as they love their families, as they hear from you, as they pray for this flock, as they teach the word and model a kingdom life and develop kingdom leaders. Lord, I bless Carrie and Rachel and their children and their families that the best days of their life and their ministry would be ahead of them. And now, Lord, we turn our focus to all of our campuses. Keep your hands up and pray with me. We pray for every campus, every leader, every staff member, every ministry department leader that we have, that you would fill them with the spirit of the living God, that character and integrity would define their lives, that they would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for every leader in this church, every group leader, every team leader, every ministry leader, every person that influences more than two people. I pray right now that you would encourage them as leaders, that they would grow and move forward and take on more responsibility and learn more of who you have called and created them to be. I pray for every person in this room that does not yet believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that you would open up their eyes, that you would heal their heart, forgive them of their sins, and set them free. I pray for every person in this room that believes in Jesus but doesn't think they're a kingdom leader. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would repent, that you would uh, transform the by the renewing of their minds a different way to think. We bind in and replace it with the security of Jesus. We bind in ability and release the power of God. We bind the things that we think are impossible and say all things are possible for those who love God and have been called according to his purposes. We declare that this is a greenhouse for kingdom-minded leaders, not churchy religious people that do religious things, kingdom-minded leaders. They live on mission and purpose and live a life bigger than themselves in all the spheres of society. This is a training center, a greenhouse. And we call forth the leaders of the kingdom of God to come through this place, sons and daughters of the house that will be mothers and fathers to the people of this world that are hurting and orphaned and alone. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time in this place and this next step. Thank you for this amazing campus. Thank you for this city and this place called Valley Creek Church. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen.